Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me, Brad. How are you, Brad? Good, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of catching up on, um, or, you know, sort of weary-eyed after, after last night's game against Sheffield United, but uh, that's a performance for another podcast. Uh, this one we are doing, we've done for a few years now, actually, I think, um, think yourself and Dan used to come on these all the time. We used to do the uh, summaries of our transfer windows. Um, and I thought with uh, the 16 incomings, just the, the mere 16 incomings, um, as well as a couple of outgoings, we'd, uh, we'd bring these back. Um, so I guess to start with, overall thoughts on the transfer window, Brad? Um, happy with the business we've done? Oh, overall, yeah. I mean, we had something to be excited about every couple of days there, which we haven't seen for a long time. And probably the thing that I was most impressed with is anyone can splash the cash and nothing's proven yet either, but nearly all the players we went for are of that younger vintage and not, I suppose, just there to fill a hole that we've already got. These are players that should really actually be future stars. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point because I remember back in January we were being linked to, you know, Ryan Barbel and... I mean, there was sort of the half-joking links to Mesut Ozil and guys like that where you sort of think, oh, we don't want to be going down that route of bringing in the just after a last pay deal. You want to be bringing in the young, hungry players who have a point to prove. And uh, I think it's uh, quite fortunate we've gone that the, the latter route. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think probably if you think about it from where we've been in the past couple of years, obviously going down to League One and... You know, it's almost like there's, there's different solutions required. It's not just go and get the same type of player and, don't, you know, follow the same path. I mean, we always knew a new manager when they get their first crack at a full window was really going to want to put their stamp on things. And clearly he's done that with the type of player and how wide the net's gone, if you like. But um, I think at the moment, at least from an asset perspective, from an we might be paying some decent fees for players, but they seem to be well worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess the other thing before we get into the players themselves, I guess when um, Ajun was first linked with the takeover, there was that concern, I guess might be the word for it, that he was looking to bring in a lot of Turkish players. Um, granted, we have recruited quite a lot of players who have played in Turkey at one point or another, but as you said, it's about casting that net wide. Like we've signed Oscar from the Portuguese league. Um, we've signed a couple of players uh, domestically as well. Um, we've got, um, you know, Salah and Lojitala, who are sort of youth players from Premier League clubs. Um, we've sort of, we've had that broad sort of network of um, recruitment going. I agree. And, you know, if you look through the list, I suppose you are looking at very different scenarios with all of them. You know, some we've paid good fees for, some have just come from good clubs. So uh, the spread itself seems to be, oh, it's almost like it looks to me like the network has made some of these decisions rather than just the manager himself and what he knows. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> okay, um, well, we'll start off then with the uh, the outgoing, so players that we uh, we released or sold from last season. Um, and I start off just with the released players who essentially weren't offered new deals coming into this season, uh, Tom Huddleston, 
who then eventually signed for the United under 23 sort of following in Shane's footsteps as a, a pl- player coach for them. Uh, Richie Smallwood heading off to Bradford City, who, of course, we've already faced this season in the League Cup. Uh, and Tom Ease for Rotherham. I think he's been out injured to start the season, so hasn't had a, a good go at it yet. Um, I guess, uh, you know, there was sort of talk during the second half of the season, Smallwood and Eves might have been offered new deals. I think Eves sort of said he was happy to go test himself as a as a first choice or a, uh, a higher, higher um, priority player, I guess you'd say, at, at a Rotherham. Um, this, any disappointment with these players going? Any surprise or just sort of made a lot of sense? Oh, I think they all made a lot of sense. I mean, I think Huddleston we all know and love, but he's not realistically in the best 11 um, this year. Of course, we're trying to say, well, hang on, our best 11 wasn't good enough last year. Yeah. So yeah. The, the the gap just gets wider for him, although he's quality and uh, I think he's probably made a good decision to head to Man U and help out in that setup because if he's got aspirations to be a coach, it's a pretty decent framework to get into. Um, Smallwood, yeah, look, uh, Smallwood was, again, probably look, all of the business on these guys that have been released was good business because you need to free up some wages. They're not likely to be commanding first-team spots. Um, and although Eves looked like he could do it that many times, he, he couldn't. Yeah. Well, unless it was a cup game. I mean, that seemed to yeah, be when true. he uh, yeah. <laughs> brought out the real form uh, in the in the League Cup or the FA Cup. Um it was certainly good, but yeah, you're right. I think all of them, and and even I mean, we can throw in George Monker. I was going to talk about him in the sold players because technically we got a sort of a minimal fee for him, but he was essentially released as well. And they all fall under that umbrella of um, list clogger is a very ungenerous way to describe them, but <laughs> probably in the sense that they're, they're they're taking up a spot in a squad that would otherwise go to a, sort of a more dynamic player, I guess. Yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. And especially, um, I mean, in a way, mate, it's sort of justified by what you actually get in return for them. It's not to say that everything's skewed to dollars, but obviously we released who we released, but Moncur was only a minimal fee. No one other than KLP commanded a big fee, which really means they're not on anyone's radar, which means they shouldn't be on ours. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually a really good way of um, a good way of putting it, because um, we can talk about those sold players as well. Um yeah, maybe start. Well, yeah, we'll start with KLP as sort of the highest profile sale of the summer, and really the one who ended up essentially funding a lot of our business with that sixteen million pound sale to Brentford. Um, there were there were times through the window we thought maybe he was going to stay. Uh, the interest seemed to cool down and then warm up from Brentford, and um, eventually he has gone. And he did. He started the Premier League game for them on the weekend, the five two win over Leeds. I think that was his second start in a row. He, he's got an assist in the league. Cup, I think it was. So it's not, it's, he's, he's actually surprised me a bit with how quickly he's been um, sort of integrated into that first team. I thought he'd be maybe not loaned out this season, but certainly sort of eased in. Um, but he's sort of hit the ground running for them, which seems like it's a, a good bit of business from all sides. Yeah, I think maybe they learned a little bit of a lesson, although different players altogether, I think they might have learned a little bit with Bowen, but I think they might have, I think. They kept Bowen, once they held him back, because we know he's played obviously a lot of games in the last few years for them, but it was almost like when they first signed him, they they played him but didn't really play him with freedom. And then, of course, he came out, it was the season, the first full season he had there, and he just looked like he belonged. 
and maybe they yeah. still feel in a way that let's get KLP in there earlier and, you know, it's the same sort of pathway and trajectory, if you like, and he's probably going to do it. If not yeah, the same, no. hopefully better for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess um, Honeyman's, it's actually interesting of the three players. I mean, we've got Lewis Potter moving up a division. We've got Honeyman taking sort of a sideways step and we've got Wilkes stepping down a division to Chef Wednesday. And I think, as you sort of said before, to sum it up, if they're not going for big fees, then they're not really an in-demand player, so we shouldn't really be too upset with their departures. I mean, Honeyman's had a reasonable start for Millwall. I think he's scored a goal and has a couple of assists. Wilkes, I don't think, even got on the park yet for Chef Wednesday. I sort of had a look at some of their lineups recently just to get a sense of it, but maybe match fitness, maybe a few other issues fitness-wise, keeping him out of their side. Um, but he, I mean, look, he had a great League One season for us, but just didn't seem cut out for the championship with us um, since that point. No, and look, you would know from previous podcasts, I've been a Honeyman fan for a while and I didn't really, uh, personally, I would have kept him. But having said that, the thing that I think may have been starting to pinch a little bit is that with the competition for that midfielder type role getting really, let's say, heavy and full on uh, with a lot of competition for change, which is exactly what we want, I was sort of wondering as well whether uh, he's been with us a few seasons, whether his contract was starting to become something that the club would have an eye on. And I'm not saying he was our highest paid, but if you're thinking that he could potentially be anywhere between your third and fifth best midfielder all up, and yet he's on a decent wicket, then you might start thinking, well, him going to another club at this time means that we can bring someone else in and maybe have another Ryan change. Woods or someone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was probably a good long-term decision. Although I would have loved to have had him this year. Um, I think, yeah. And clearly the dogs in the background agree with me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got I've got uh, George's namesake. Is uh, we, we we named our puppy there after him. Uh, unfortunate timing, go. I suppose, with the uh, departure. But yeah, look, I think he was pretty much the only one of that list who I was really disappointed to lose because I think he he definitely had a place in our squad. Um, I think we've replaced him quite adequately, as I said, sort of with Ryan Woods, um, as well as a few others um, stepping into that midfield position. Tufan as well as really stepped up we'll talk about them in a little bit i think honeyman's just that the only one where i think maybe we could have kept him in the squad and look it remains to be seen how we go this season transitioning from last season's squad into this new one and whether we can um get the squad to gel and and really settle um i think if we made that transition a bit more gradually there could have been a spot for honeyman in the side but uh look we've sort of gone for the whole Whole, uh, the whole hog in this window. We've got the 16 signings in, so I guess we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, I think that, that could be pretty much the reasons why they've done it, mate. I think they just want to advance this current squad as quick as possible, and they might have thought, not just on the wages front, but if George is there, then you, you end up with that same mould as last year. Um, although you and I you know, feel like he would still be there, maybe that could have detracted from the game style or something, you know, you don't don't really know. Um, one thing Honeyman's always been good at is he's been really good at trying to keep a midfield together. And maybe yeah. as we go forward, we're going to be more of that team 
like we saw yesterday, okay, we lost and we're disappointed and so on, but we actually look like scoring goals. Whereas there was times last year where Honeyman looked good and we might pinch a game 1-0, but we're on the back foot a lot. So there could be something in that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, well, well, we'll move on. We'll talk about the incomings. We'll talk about the permanent signings first, and there are a lot of them. So I think probably the best way to break this down, I'll, I'll run through, obviously, the players that we've actually seen out on the pitch so far, um, being, well, we'll start with Figueroa, who signed on a, a two-year deal with the option of a third year from Forest. We had um, Ali sign on a permanent deal after his loan last season on a four-year deal with an additional one-year option. We've had two fans sign on a three-year deal with a one-year option. Seri sign on a three-year deal. Oscar sign on a three-year deal. Tete sign on a two-year deal. Christy sign on a two-year deal. Wood sign on a three-year deal. And Koval sign on a one-year deal. All except for Seri with that option as well. Um, and then we'll, we'll talk about the the players we have, haven't actually seen yet uh, just afterwards. But um, these are the guys that we've seen first up. Um, I guess we also saw Pelk. I guess he's come on the pitch against Chef United on the weekend. He's on loan from Fenerbahce for the season. Um, I, I've got to say, I mean, they've all, to an extent, I guess, Figueroa, maybe the jury's still out on him to an extent. Uh, but for the rest of them, they've all really impressed. And um, in particular, I think two fans to stand out for me in the sense that I think coming into the season, my expectations for him were pretty low. And I think he was the one where you think the stereotypes or the the um, cliches you people might have thought about the owner wanting to bring in Turkish players and two fans, this Turkish player who was seemingly a bit washed up after his spell at Watford. Um, maybe the Turkish Ben Arthur might have been a compare made at one point on a podcast. I can't remember. Um, wouldn't surprise me. But he, he's the one who's really hit the ground running and, and really impressed and, and looked really fantastic. Um, obviously, Oscar as well with his goals. But two fan, I think, in terms of actual output versus expectations really um, really stood out for me. Um, but out of all of these guys that we've already seen out on the pitch, uh, what, what's your sort of take on their signings? Um, well, I think I'll, I'll tackle the ones that I probably know the most about. I think with Figueredo, I think he's quality. I really do. But there's something not quite there, and it's not just because of the last two games on the bounce, but it's almost like I don't know whether he... He's communicative as he should be to, to those around him. We know how solid Greaves is um, and so dependable, but there's just been times where we look to be just sort of almost giving a bit too much room. Um, and that tends to be when he's in the middle. And, and that's just a, an observation. It's nothing, you know, we don't have eight camera angles to look at or, or to see what's actually going on. But that's just one note. I think he, I think he's obviously a good player. And, and I think he is a first-team player, but there's something either not gelling or something there, which might be a bit harsh because of those last, you know, two games. Um, two fan, well, I'm a fan, put it that way. Um, I do like the fact as well that he almost seems to be a little bit uncaged, or sorry, caged up. Like, he, he really could be something that... Uh, he, he just looks like he could play anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think if it gets back to sort of Figueroa in a way, if, we, if our back four becomes so set and concrete that we give more freedom to our players to to advance, then we're going to see days out like Oscar's had a lot because I think these guys really do know how to open things up and really they're not afraid to have a crack. And we saw it. Because it's all we've had. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw against Sheffield United last night, we were sort of talking before the podcast, that as much as we got outplayed to an extent by them, we still had our chances and we still had those um, moments in the game when Oscar got that break breakaway chance, when Tufan got in on goal as well, um, with that interplay with Oscar, that they are a, a higher quality player that know that, that, well, they're still learning how to play together, but we're seeing already the um, the opportunities it's creating. I agree. The only thing probably that, that's hurt us in the last couple of weeks, and that may be where these guys, you know, we talked about trying to find their feet or where should play where. It just seems like we have lined up quite differently in the last couple of weeks. And um, so therefore, is that more because of the, these players or is that more because of just the coaches adapting to who we're playing against? I don't know, but it was more just two fans seems to really love that freedom where he can just go... Anywhere, I think it would have been even last night, he looked like he was playing pretty much central, but there was a couple of times there he advanced down the wings as as good as anyone we've seen for a while. So I'm a big fan of his, and obviously Oscar, well, if you bang them in like that, you're going to get everyone's attention and be pretty popular. Um, and, I mean, the, the Coventry game as well, if you look at just the way we actually played, he um, seemed to be just a real scary candidate for their defence. And yeah. I can't remember the last time, probably Wilkes in League One, when, it, when Wilkes had a day out, which of course is technically a division and a half below where we are now. Um, I haven't seen us terrorise defenders for a long time. Yeah, and even last yeah. night, I mean, he was yeah. just, he just bullies them. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And I can um, see why we signed him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, bad news on the injury front from for Benjamin Tede last night going off injured. Um, speaking of the uh, the injured players now, so we, we've signed, well, injured players and players that we haven't actually seen yet. So Adama Traore, who obviously got injured uh, in his first training session for us before he was even announced, um, as well as uh, Dogukan Sinek, um, both out injured. I think Sinek's actually back in training just around the uh, international break, which is a week or so away from, from now. Um Obviously, uh, Salah Mhand joining Mhand. I don't know how to pronounce the last name, but signing from Arsenal. Mhand, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, signing from Arsenal, I think, is out with a groin injury as well. Um, and then just in terms of players that we haven't seen yet, Baxter, who was out with a finger injury to start the season but is fit now. And then uh, the two Chelsea loanies, additional to Baxter, being Simmons and uh, Vale. Vale... Um, is supposedly really highly rated um, in the sense that I think the suggestion was that if, if he was going to go out on loan from Chelsea, he was likely to go to a Premier League club. So um, the fact that we've snared him seems to have gone somewhat under the radar, but seems to be a bit of um, bit of attention around that um, signing uh, as sort of an unexpected one. So that's one that I'm certainly interested to see how he, uh, how he gets on for us. And it could be, mate, that he's, he's following... Well, I mean, this is just a guess, but back he would have surely have talked to Baxter about yeah. the opportunity to come play. And I think Baxter's probably said, hey, listen, these guys are definitely on the up. Um, and obviously Baxter's been pretty committed to join us. So, um, yeah, he, he's one... I mean, look, we, we can say this all you like about having an England youth career and where that might lead you, but he's the one that genuinely, I think, could end up pushing past everyone. He has yeah. the potential to do it. 
and it could be just the whole reason why, you know, when we talk about Honeyman at the start, well, if you've got someone like, well, technically at the moment, if we're giving him any credit, he's still about the third or fourth choice midfielder right now. Um, and you would think that there's a really good chance that, I think anyway, just based on by his age and his pedigree, he's going to be someone that's going to be really trying to prove something. If he yeah. gets a chance. Well, that's it. it. Yeah, if he can get the chance, because it's going to be what like if slash when our squad is fully fit. Um, there's a lot of attacking talent there to uh, to cram into only four spots on the pitch or five spots on the pitch. So, um, going to be really interesting to see how we line up. Who 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 comes into the side? I mean, that's sort of the thing. You look at Dharma Traore, for instance, signing at the start of the window. When at the time he was signing, he was basically he would have been first 11 um, and we've sort of got to the end of the window. He hasn't had a chance. He's not going to get a chance until January um, yeah. and suddenly signed a whole bunch of other players to play in that role where he might not even find himself with a place on the bench potentially. I don't know, but uh, it's going to be really interesting how we, we manage the squad both in terms of expectations and, um, you know, it's a good problem to have for the manager when we have everyone fit but it's going to be really interesting to see how we manage it. Yeah, and I think it, it might be something, just looking at the detail here as well, mate, that, and this is just your notes that I, that I looked at before, is that it also shows, you know, basically the fact that the loan itself for Vale has no buy option at all. Whereas yeah. when you look at Salah um, and... Um, and Baxter, yeah. Well, yeah, but even even with Salah, you're saying, okay, another midfielder, another young player from a decently sized club. Well, Chelsea have pretty much said, hey, you're not buying him, but that's it. Whereas Arsenal are quite happy for us to buy Salah if if it works out. So they don't see him in their first team plans, whereas I think Chelsea genuinely think Bale could, could get there. Yeah, and we've seen with um, uh, Ryan, uh, not Ryan Mason, <laughs> Mason Mount, um, as, an, as a recent example of a Chelsea midfielder going to the championship, having a really strong season with Derby and then getting in the Chelsea side the very next season. So they seem to, in recent years, have a much clearer pathway to the to the first team than they used to have. Um, so he, yeah, no, he's certainly a really interesting to one, one to see how he how he gets on. Um, yep. Were there were there any other players we haven't touched on that you wanted to, to shout out, or was I mean, Seri, I guess is a good one as well. I mean, he he Seri was probably the one which made the league step up, stand up, and or sit up and take notice of us. I think um, there was a lot of noise around the club, a lot of positivity, but a player like Seri would have sent a, a huge signal of intent to the rest of the league. So I think that was a really good deal to get done as well. Yeah, definitely. I was actually just thinking that as well while you're talking about it. Do we actually sort of know what sort of wage he's on? Yeah, look, it's a good question. I think, um, I think we'll talk about it on another episode. I think my my logic is I think he was on forty thousand or thirty thousand at Fulham, and the fact that we made the offer that he almost accepted, but then sort of rejected and was going to go off to Italy and then we came back to him and tried to talk him around makes me think whether we've offered him more money and therefore if it would be up around that 25 30,000 mark which would be wild but maybe that's sort of the the wage that we're offering those you know two fan seri 
maybe Oscar as well um, to get them to come. Because, you know, Oscar, Oscar coming from the Portuguese division where, you know, Darwin Nunes hits 26 goals or something like that. Oscar gets 15 goals um, and moves to the championship. Nunes goes to, the, you know, Liverpool for 90, 100, 100 million pounds. So um, you would expect that Oscar signing on a free deal would have to be on a pretty decent wage to have convinced him. Um, and mm. I suspect Sarah's probably the same. Well, the only thing I do like about it, mate, is the fact that we're not breaking the bank to get him on with the transfer fees, you know, like especially with Oscar. Yeah. Even, even if you're paying over odds as a wage, well, you know, the beauty of it is is that you know you're probably at the moment looking at getting half of that back in transfer fees. If, yeah, that's if it right. didn't work out, you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. probably why, in a way, Sari looks attractive is that even at his age, right now, if he has a half-decent season with us, he's probably worth a couple of million pounds. And so, therefore, if you're banking in on the wage side of it, but he's cost you nothing up front, well, there's your budget. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think, I mean, you don't want to sort of sell players away from the club already, but you, I think if even looking at next season, if we were to have to sell to buy or we needed to balance the books or whatever, you already look at some of these guys, you know, like as you say, in the same sense, Oscar, you're coming in as a free transfer and hitting the ground running, you're suddenly already looking at these guys being worth a whole lot more than essentially than we paid for them. So um, if we get into that sort of sustainable model, that's another way to sort of keep keep the squad pushing on um, and upwards and up the table. Agree. And, and look, mate, you don't want to ever talk about it, but the biggest risk in in our club is getting relegated, right? That's yeah. the biggest risk. Well, these guys would all have clauses. They would all not want to play in League One, that's for sure. But also the fact that, okay, you've thrown a bit of wages at it, it hasn't worked, but there's some residual value in one of these players then take some of that risk off the table. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and actually, speaking of, it's probably a good transition to talking about players that we've signed new deals with, um, being Greaves, Fleming and Ingram. Greaves being a four-year deal, taking him to the end of 2026. Fleming, a new three-year deal. Um, and Ingram, also a three-year deal, all with options in favour of the club. Um, I guess Greaves is, in the same way that Lewis Potter's the uh, the headline of the player departures, Greaves is sort of the headline of the player retained list. Um <clears throat> To time down to the club, I think for a while there it was looking a bit unsure about whether he would re-sign. I think there was that interest from Middlesbrough, Greaves reportedly rejecting a couple of deals that we'd offered him. It seemed as if it was inching towards a potential sale towards the end of the window. Uh, so fantastic news that we've signed him to that new deal. And it, it works. I, I, I think that sort of deal works so well in for both parties because I have no doubt that there's a clause in there that if a Premier League club came in for him, We'd sell him for a pretty yep. decent fee, so we would then benefit from a decent fee. He would de- he would benefit from a move to the Premier League, and we're Premier League protecting our asset. We're not losing him for nothing or very not- very close to nothing next summer. So I think it's a win win. And um, I mean, hopefully he stays for the full deal. But I-, I suspect if we weren't to be promoted, he'd probably move on next summer. Hey, look, and I think he was pretty smart, mate. I think he knows what he's worth, and uh, it's not to say the club were trying to shortchange him at all, but I think we probably, as fans of his, put a decent price tag on him already. And I think he knows that. He knows that, you know, good luck going out now trying to find a 21-year-old centre-half or centre-back that's 
as established as he is. Um, and again, he's still got a long way to go, but he's, he, I think he knew that he's worth a bit more than probably what was on offer. And so he just held out for, I don't think he was going anywhere. I think he was being courted by quite a few, and you know what it's like as well. Players agents these days are pretty good to call yeah. you on your behalf. I think they were out there just trying to get him a better deal than what was on offer, and it might not have even taken very much at all to just come up a cog. Um, and like you said, I think it's a really valid point that there could very well be a clause in that says, hey, you commit to us long term and we'll have a, a Premier League or big club release clause in there for you. Yeah, that's right. And then um, Fleming, so Brandon Fleming and um, Matt Ingram also signing new deals. Great to see. Cartwright, of course, as well, not on the list, but he was another one that signed a long-term deal and went outside loan to Peterborough. It seems as if we're developing a really good core of of younger players, retaining them long-term, um, which is something that we didn't really do under the Alums in terms of sort of protecting these the asset values of these players. And we would typically see players under the Alums sort of run down their deals, leave on a free transfer, and we'd kind of get no return on our investment. We're now seeing these guys signing these longer-term deals, developing with us, and the perspective really should begin to be either they develop with us and kind of pull us up the table and we, we get promoted, or if they if they want to leave or if they get a better opportunity elsewhere, we're at least going to get a really good fee out of them at the same time. Like, I mean... Maybe that's callous to say. I'd, I'd love to see Fleming, Greaves, other guys like that stay at the club really long-term and, and and sort of make a mark at the club. But everyone's got their personal ambitions and if they were to get offers from the Premier League, I'm sure that that would be something that we wouldn't stand in the way of um, so long as we're properly compensated. Yeah, agree, mate. And it's probably a really valid point as well when you talk about the mixture of free transfers. I mean, we haven't... Well, okay, we got the KLP money, so that helps... But when you consider the current regime versus the previous owners, there was always the talk about transfer dollars and where are they and not hanging on to people and what seemed to be just almost transactions rather than trying to get something actually with a real good footing or foundation. Um, and even, I mean, Greaves, the deal had to be done, but even with some of the other guys, there was no need to rush into a deal, but the club wants to lock them in. Um, that's yeah. exactly the point you made at the start there. The Alums didn't want to lock anything in unless there was a chance we could make some money. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's right. Or we had a fire sale. So yeah. that also sends a message, and I think that's probably where the owners got all the kudos at the moment, is some of these guys that have come to us, we already know, are better than your average city player. They are already, um, I won't say a level above because it makes it sound like they're all Premier League, but, you know, multiple positions up the ladder better than we were at the table than we were last year. So if you're attracting a better type of player, then obviously the owner's doing something right as far as showing what the club's worth and can do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, So it's going to be really interesting. I think we've put together a really strong squad. It's 16 players in all up. Um, I think I saw somewhere that we're actually needing to look at who we leave out of our 25-man squad because we've got quite a large squad um, already. Mm. It's sort of the issue when you you pick up injuries through the window, you pick up players to replace the injured players, and then you've got to sort of have both of them in the squad. But um, look, I think across the board, I think maybe we could have added another defender or two. I think I saw that um, Woods and also Simmons from Chelsea can play in in a... in a fullback position. So they sort of add a bit of depth there. 
Um, Christie, I think, is a really great pickup uh, to give depth at right wing back and right back. Um, maybe another centre back would have been good, but on the whole, can't really complain with what we've added. Well, again, mate, like you said, 16 in, I mean, it's probably taken us 10 years to get to that level before. <laughs> so, um, And the fact, like you say, we're to look at leaving people out of a squad. And in the past, it's always been the depth of our squad that's been our problem. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, that, that just about wraps things up. Um, it's, uh, yeah, a lot of players to get through and discuss. I'm sure there's some that we didn't go into much detail on, but we did try to touch off on uh, on the main ones who've really stood out so far. But, uh, look, if you've listened into this one and there's a player that you are also really excited to have seen us sign, let us know in the comments below. Retweet the podcast with your thoughts as well. Uh, we look forward to hearing uh, from everyone who's uh, listened in. But, uh, look, thank you for joining me for this one, Brad. Thanks for having me. No worries. And of course, we'll be back for our regular podcast later in the week to discuss that Sheffield United game and to look ahead to the weekend. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Tigers are roaring and destiny's calling Cause now is the time Yeah, the city's on fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning back cause you're out